Welcome back to the Pathway Podcast. In this week's episode, Lead Pastor Jeremy Flanagan continues our Shalom series, teaching us how to find and keep peace in our lives. Well, I hope you have had a uh, good weekend. We have a running tradition on Mother's Day that Jessica takes us out somewhere and we go hiking and uh, get to enjoy that. That was before uh, the heavy rains flooded our shed with mud that she found on Friday night. And so that was our Mother's Day weekend. We get to finish that out and have an exciting Mother's Day afternoon. And uh, anyway, but uh, other than that, it's still nice outside at least. So I'll try and pretend like we're having a good time. But hopefully you've got to do something better than that. Hopefully you maybe you got to at least spend time with somebody that you love and care about. And if you haven't, at least to be able to, uh, like Maddie said, make a phone call and just thank somebody for the influence that they've had on your life. Uh, so hopefully that you can do that today. But, um, you know, as we go through this series and we're in the middle of this series called Shalom and we're talking about peace, the peace that God wants for us to have, um, and, you know, in the, the first week we talked about defining peace, and then last week we talked about uh, that all the work is done for us, but that, that we have to take it. Uh, you know, Jesus offers us peace, but we have to do the things that he says. And, and through that process, I've, I've tried to talk about what peace is, but also what peace isn't. Because our idea of peace sometimes is that, well, it's that English word. So obviously that's kind of where we know it. And we say, you know, I just want peace and quiet. And in a lot of ways, our idea and definition of what peace is, is that term, right? We just want some peace and quiet. We just want to be left alone for a little while and, and everything else. And that's kind of one of the major ideas behind our view of peace. But that's not God's idea of peace. That's not when we find it in the Bible. That's not what it's talking about. And so in the scripture... Um, you know, the same slide we've been throwing up with the idea of peace and what it is. And in the Old Testament, it's, it's the Hebrew word shalom. Um, and in the New Testament, it's arene, which has, the, it's, you know, a bunch of Jews writing in Greek. So it's the same idea, right? Shalom and arene, whenever you see it in the New Testament or the Old Testament, it's that idea of being complete or having wholeness about having a, as we've talked about the last couple of Sundays, a true sense of purpose, right? Because it's, it's fulfilling our purpose and being who God wants us to be in that that brings us that sense of completeness or wholeness. And sometimes fulfilling our purpose is not quiet, right? It's not peaceful. It is Mother's Day, and, you know, one of the things that you always try and do on Mother's Day is, is not make them, you know, do all the normal things they have to do to take care of the house. Um, you know, when Jessica is, uh, you know, she'll come home from work and be working in the kitchen or doing something else. One of the long-standing rules is that she doesn't want me and Luke in there. I view us as great and helpful. She doesn't view us as helpful as I do. Um, but it's because she's in there trying to get things done and we're just creating more mess or, you know, doing things like that. And so, you know, what, you know, we always try and do is, is say, you know, you deserve a day off, right? Peace and quiet. And that is a nice part in our understanding of something that is enjoyable, but that itself will not last, right? That kind of peace will not last. So that isn't the type of peace God promises us that we can have. Because the type of peace that God offers, and he says, you know, peace be with you, is the idea that in him that we can be whole and we can be complete. And even in the middle of a storm, we can 
find that peace, that shalom, that understanding of who we are and be happy in that. And so, you know, he talked about last week and we went through Philippians chapter 4. And if you weren't here, go back and read that. Just an absolutely great passage. You know, and it says, it's that one verse that says and starts off, don't worry about anything. Easily said, hard to do. But, you know, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. And then you will experience God's peace. And so last week we talked about those are kind of his steps, right? That we have to pray, we need to petition or ask for the things that we need, and we need to be thankful for all that he has done. And I said that, you know, it is, it is proven psychologically, not even just from, you know, Christian point of view, but just from a, a counseling point of view, a psychological point of view, that if you every day keep a list and you are thankful for one new thing that day, right? It doesn't have to be new. It can just be that that's the new thing you're adding to your list that day. If you do that over the course of a month, it changes people's perspective. It almost seems like God knew what he was talking about. And since he made us, that makes sense because he knows that a people who are praying and a people who are thankful, it changes our mind, it changes the way we view things, even in the midst of turmoil or in those few brief moments of peace and quiet. And you may say, well, I'm doing all those things, but it's that step two, it's that petition part, right? I'm asking God for what I need and I'm not getting it. I'm asking God to change these parts and areas of my life and it's not happening. And because of that, I just, I don't feel at peace. That's next Sunday. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about how our circumstances don't determine whether or not we can be at peace. Because you can be in the best of times or the worst of times, whichever you know, part of that line you want, and still not find peace. Or things can be great or things can be falling apart all around you and you can still find wholeness or completeness in who you are in Jesus Christ. And so that's next week. We're going to talk about that. But this week is about sabotaging peace. Because so often we say that, you know, that we want to find peace, but, um, you know, and we're doing all we can, and we blame the fact that we can't find peace on other things around us, right? But when we analyze it, or if we ask the people around us, because we usually don't see all the time when we're sabotaging, we could, but maybe we don't look at it. We don't, we block it out. But we, a lot of days, destroy the peace that we could have. And, and so that's where we're going to go today. We're going to be in the book of Acts in chapter 5. And um, we're going to look at a story there. But first, I just want to give you this quick little idea to have in your mind. When I talk about sabotaging peace, it's not that you are out there and, and I could read passages from Psalms or I could read passages from Isaiah that talk about peace. And it says, you know, that, that the wicked will not have peace or that when we sin that it removes that peace from our life, Right? And we all get that, and we say, well, I'm not doing horrible things, I still can't find peace. I'm not doing, you know, all this terrible stuff, and it still escapes me. That's not what we're dealing with today. I think in my mind, the best, you know, the best illustration I have for this is when you ask a little kid for the first time to help you sweep, right? You ask a little kid, and they've got a broom, and the broom's usually too tall for them and everything else, and they're... You know, doing this, it looks like they're churning butter more than they're actually sweeping. And it's about how effective they are, too, because they go around a room and they'll sweep stuff a little bit here. And then they'll just kind of move around and they'll just make it all over the room and keep sweeping things. But they'll also walk through everything they just swept, right? 
And they'll keep tracking it all over the room. And after 20 minutes, they've literally done nothing. Except now it's all on the bottom of their shoes and they walked in through the carpet. And so now you have to vacuum on top of sweeping. It's that idea of self-sabotage where we want to do good things. And we think we're helping and doing good things. And the reason we let a three-year-old or four-year-old do that is because it's cute. And hopefully, maybe in 10 years, they actually learn how to clean a house. That's, I don't know. That's how long it took us with Luke. Maybe it's quicker for y'all. But, you know, at least for us guys, it takes us a little longer there, mostly because we just don't care that much. But we think we're helping. I come into the kitchen to ask Jessica what she needs. And even at 44, she says, I need you to leave. Because the help that I give causes her more problems than if I just stayed in the living room. And so when we go through life and we intend to do good things, and at the start we start trying to do good things, and we think that these are the, the things in life that will help me, they'll help others. You know, we, we, we start off with the best intentions. If there's at any point along the way that we get off the focus of what's good and we start focusing on what we want out of it, we will sabotage the good that could have come from it. And instead, we just are tracking dirt all around the room, all around the house. If you're one of those people who says, you know, I don't like drama, but always seems to find me. I want to warn you that you may actually like it more than you'll admit. Because if it always seems to find us, a lot of times we're either doing things that help cause it or we haven't figured out how to cut it off. Right? We haven't figured out how to not react in such ways and how not to do certain things to be able to end it and kill it. If you want to find a completeness and a wholeness and not have everything torn up in life, we need to start with ourselves and figure out ways that our actions are actually sabotaging what we desire. The book of Acts is where I want to go today. And I, uh, studying this and looking at it for a while, the, the two stories that came to me were the story of Achan, which is good, but... Today is the story of Ananias and Sapphira. And here in the New Testament, the church had just been going a very short time without Jesus here on earth. Right? He handed it all over to them. They're getting started. They're being persecuted. Difficult things are happening to them. Uh, they uh, have people who are being cut off from their families, people who are losing their jobs and livelihood because once they follow Jesus to their culture, to the Jewish culture, um, they're traitors, and so they're being shunned and turned out. And so here you have a story that starts off, and it sounds good, but really quick the intentions sabotage any of the benefit that could have come from it. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 1, But there was a certain man named Ananias who, with his wife Sapphira, sold some property. He brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit, and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not to sell, as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Everyone who heard about it was terrified. Then some young men got up, wrapped him in a sheet, and took him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. 
Peter asked her, was this the price you and your husband received for your land? Yes, she replied, that was the price. And Peter said, how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door, and they will carry you out too. Instantly, she fell to the floor and died. And when the young men came in and saw that she was dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what had happened. Now, if you read this story and you think, that was, that was really, really harsh, then you also probably are going to go home and rethink how accurate you are on your taxes next year, right? Because they come and they bring money, which is a good thing, right, to help other people that are in need. But because of the lie, because uh, of the, the intent that they came and they said the things that they did, they were struck down dead. And so you have a story that if you change one thing, right, if you simply change what they told, that everything would have been okay. But actually there's multiple other things they could have done that would have made things okay. And just to give you a clear picture of exactly what's happening right now, I, I talked about people being cut off from their families, their livelihood. If you converted to Christianity, that, that the Jewish culture just pushed you out. Well, you, you see in chapter 4 right before this, in Acts chapter 4 and verse 32, it said, All the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own, and so they shared everything they had. And the apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give those in need. For instance, there was Joseph, the one of the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. And he was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold the field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. And so you had this story right before this, and I'm sure possibly Ananias and Sapphira knew about it. I mean, they knew the heavy need, and it was never a command by God that people needed to go sell everything and, and bring it in. And, and uh, you know, I, I don't think everybody sold maybe everything that they had, but they sold a lot, right? They were right there on the, 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 on the cusp of, of everything getting started and launching out from the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ to them being sent by God to now carry Christianity to the world. They had such a sense of purpose and such a sense of brotherhood together that when people were in need, they helped. I've always loved that about our church family here, that when people have been in need and, and we have asked that people step up and help. And I think that's still as an important of a characteristic today as it was back then. And so... That's what they did, and Barnabas was a case where he sold his land, gave it over, and now Ananias and Sapphira are like, you know what, we want to help too. We want to do that too. But at some point it also crept in there that, you know what, Barnabas gave everything from the sale of his land, and we want people to think as well of us as they think of Barnabas. We want people to think as, of, as well of us as, as they did him in that moment. We were blown away by what he did, and we want other people to be blown away by our generosity. But we don't want to give it all. We don't want to give it all. And so in the story of Ananias and Sapphira, everything built up to where they were doing a good thing. Anything they gave to the Lord was a good thing. 
They were doing a good thing, but the desire to have everybody else around them in their sphere, in their circle, think of them a certain way, treat them a certain way, show them respect in the same way they had shown respect to others, that became more important than the good thing they were doing. Now, when I talk about the idea of sabotaging our peace, oftentimes we intend the best, right? We may have a view of wanting to help others. As parents, you may have a view of wanting to raise your children to become you know, godly young men and women. And that's great. That's my desire too. But it sometimes it creeps in there where what I want out of that relationship between me and my son becomes more important than what I'm tasked to do. Or my frustration out of it may then get me to cause a disruption in our relationship in such a way that it hurts my ability to parent. It can be the same way with a husband and wife where we're not, we're not seeing everything that we want out of it. And maybe we're wrong, maybe the other person is wrong. But still yet, the way we react and the way that we do certain things can almost ensure, almost guarantee that the bad we're getting out of it will get worse and that the good that we could get out of it will get further and further away. See, Ananias and Sapphira came and they wanted to be part of doing a good thing. They were believers in Christ. They were part of a good thing. But I believe they saw all of this happen when Barnabas gave everything he had. And they're like, you know what? We want to give. But if we give less than everything, people may think less of us. So I love the story here. And when Ananias came in first and he and his wife had discussed. And they said, you know, we're going to say this is all the money. Because, you know, it's enough that people may believe it, but we're, we're going to keep some aside. And so when he came in and he said that, the response to him, Peter's response to him there in, in Acts chapter 5 and verse 4, is the property was yours to sell or not to sell, as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away or, you know, not to give away. So how could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but God. You weren't lying to us, but God. It was yours. God gave this, you had this to, you know, in your possession, this land was yours. We didn't command you to sell it. You weren't expected to sell it. You got to decide what to do with it, to sell or not to sell as you wished. And then once you sold it, the money was also yours. But you allowed your desire for the way people treat you or see you or the claim that you wanted or the, the, you know, the, the love or the adoration, admiration, all of those things to sabotage any of the good. You know, in our life when we talk about peace and we talk about wholeness, right? We talk about completeness, the true idea of shalom. If we look at our hearts within our relationships, at the point in time that we realize that our desire from what we get out of somebody is greater than our desire to just have a good relationship, you're sabotaging peace. At the point in time that we understand that we may be trying to do a good thing, but then what we want is different from what everybody else wants and we don't care, 
and we keep pushing and pushing and pressing until now the good thing we intended to do becomes something everybody else is frustrated about, we are sabotaging peace. I said that all they had to do was not lie, right? All they had to do was not lie, and what they did would be great. But Peter goes further, and he says, you didn't even have to sell the land. And if you sold the land, you didn't even have to give money. You could have done what, exactly what you did and not lied. Everything would have been fine. You could have not sold the land. Everything would have been fine. You could have sold the land and not given any money. Everything would have still been fine. How many times in life do we, do we see that what we want becomes so important to us that we damage our reputation or relationships with the people we care about most when doing nothing would have been better. Doing nothing would have worked when instead of trying to push for our own praise or adoration or to live vicariously through what we accomplish through other people or through other organizations or whatever we're a part of, you know, we're, we're finding our validation from that, living vicariously through someone or something else or pushing to get somebody to recognize the good in us and we destroy our peace. We don't have quiet anymore. We don't have calmness. We don't have a lack of conflict. And they believed at this time that they could come and that they could lie. Their true intentions would be hidden because no one would know. Yet they forgot who they were giving the money to. They thought they were simply giving it to Peter and to the church. And they forgot that they were giving it to God. See, in life, we can go through so much of it having some bad intentions here and there, and sometimes we don't even realize that about ourselves. We don't realize maybe how self-centered we can be. We don't realize how focused on our own appreciation of the moment that we are instead of the good. And we forget that it's God who we serve. It's God who we live for, and it's God that sees all. And so... Through that, when we can get by on everyone else, God still knows. And so when Ananias came and he lied and he did this and Peter called him out on it because he was lying to God and then he died and then his wife came in not knowing what had happened and then she died, it, it sent fear through everybody. They had never seen God react this quickly or in this strong of a way with the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel, time and time again, would run away from God and worship other idols and do so for a generation after generation before God would finally put the hammer down and they would get punished, right? Here, man, it was, it was fast. God was calling his people to be something greater, quicker, with an understanding that intent and heart matters, and I, I love this story, not in the fact that I don't like Ananias and Sapphira for some reason. I don't wish them dead. I love the picture for us that God was fine with virtually anything they did. Almost anything they did with the right motives, or at least without bad motives. That's amazing to me. That sometimes I would be better off 
if I have bad motives to not try to do good until I fix what's in here. And so when I see this story and when I see the other times that we sabotage the peace that God wants us to have, right, that we tear apart the wholeness and completeness because we're adding other things in that aren't from Jesus, that aren't from Christ, that aren't part of his personality or his love for us, right? Whenever I see myself doing that, I need to go back to the things that God says brings us peace, prayer, And the more you pray and you talk to God, the more in line you'll be with his purposes and not your own. I can't imagine that Ananias and Sapphira sat down and prayed about what they should do rather than sitting down and talking about what they wanted. I just can't see that. Petitioning, asking God for the things we need, and then that thankfulness. Because it's through those things, like I said, that reshape the way we view our life now, tomorrow, and for the rest of it. But I also have said that finding a purpose of what God wants us to do in our relationships to not destroy our peace is so important because somebody with purpose for living for Christ, right? There's the prayer petition and thankfulness, but also finding the purpose of who we are to be in Jesus is what can bring us peace even in tough times. I want to close up looking at Romans chapter 15 this morning. And here... As Paul was writing to the church at Rome, and he said to them in verse 1, he said, Who are strong must be considerate of those who are sensitive about things like this. We must not just please ourselves. We should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. For even Christ didn't leave to please himself, as the scriptures say, The insults of those who insult you, O God, have fallen on me. Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us, and the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other, as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. We must be considerate of those who are sensitive. We must Help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. Everything that day around what Ananias and Sapphira did had to do with building themselves up. Right? It had to do with them feeling good about themselves. Look at all of the relationships that we are in. And we'll get to our relationship with God. But look at all of the others. The ones that can bring us a little bit of that peace, calming, lack of conflict, a bit of quiet, right? In our marriage relationships or if you're dating or in other relationships, are you simply trying to love and serve them in a way to build them up and encourage them or are you only doing things to get out of it what you want? It won't work that way. I'm telling you, if you want some of the things that that you desire out of that type of relationship, it's It's being selfless and trying to pour into it and having the hard conversations, right? When they're not doing the same. But it doesn't work to have wrong motives about what you do to try and manipulate others to be the way you want them to be. That doesn't work. With parents and children, watching children who try to manipulate their parents to get out of what they want instead of showing them love and respect, whether it's parents trying to live through their kids or trying to make their kids love and adore them by the things they do 
Instead of by the parent fulfilling their job, we talked about that not too long ago, right? There's the parent's role to raise their children up after God, not to simply get them to like them based on what they give or what they, what they do. Your friendships, your coworkers, your, your roommates, your, your family, close and extended. Do we try and manipulate the situations around us to get people to think about us a certain way, to treat us a certain way, to simply get what we're looking for? When we do, you are sabotaging peace even if you don't realize it because you are building something false. And Ison's Fire found that out really quick, that it doesn't work. Sometimes it takes you a little bit longer. Sometimes it takes me a little bit longer. But we will realize that when the motives of our hearts are not good, even if some of our actions are, that at the end of the day, we'd been better off standing back and working on ourselves for a little bit longer before we move forward. See, Paul knew just as he had told the, um, the, the church in Philippi to pray, to petition, to be thankful. He also knew having a spirit of encouragement and focusing on helping others instead of getting what you can out of them is the type of life that would bring you purpose. And he closed up in verse 13. He said, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. God wants us to have peace. Like I said, his peace doesn't always match the definition of our peace. Moms today, this is the one day that you might have some peace and quiet if, if the dads around you do their job and you put the kids outside long enough. But you know it won't last. None of us can find temporary peace fulfilling because it isn't God's peace. Being complete and being whole in him, communicating with him through prayer, petition, and thankfulness, and then focusing on the motive of helping and encouraging others, showing the love of Christ in our relationships with others. If you want to have peace in your life, if your relationships are based on that, you can have peace when everything else is falling apart. If your hope is built on your confidence in God, then you can have peace when everything around you is, is in turmoil. And no matter how much we work to manipulate a false peace, to try and twist people to view or to treat us the way we want, it may work today, but it will not last. If you're here and as our worship team comes forward and we prepare for a time of response, I know today hasn't been a message talking about salvation that much. It's really just been talking about the type of peace and the type of joy that God wants us to have and us not getting in the way of it, right? Of yes, we want to go out and do good things, but we can still mess that up. But that confident peace and that hope and that joy that Paul said that they could have there in verse 13 only comes from having a relationship with Christ. It only comes from that foundation, and so if you're here and you have never trusted in Jesus as your Savior, I, I want to always extend that offer to you.